Welcome to the True Freedom Podcast, a new podcast for you. If you're searching, longing, if you know there's something more you need in life. I'm your host, Richard Stokes, and our guide for this podcast is Bodie Aldridge, coach, author, teacher, and a great friend of mine. Each week, we'll jointly explore a topic or a theme that we think is likely to matter to you. I'll put some questions to Bodie and he'll share his profound wisdom and experience around it. The idea is that you can take that wisdom and see how it feels to you. Sit with it, ponder it, live with it a little, and then do something with it. This is our invitation to you. And our offer is to provide a map to this territory and some tools for how to navigate this thing called life. And we really invite you to come and play. We want to hear from you, your thoughts and questions. And we'll talk about how you can get involved in the podcast itself. One early ask of you, as we always do in the podcast, is, is please go and rate and review the podcast if you like it over on Apple Podcasts. This is especially important for new podcasts to give them that exposure so more and more people can come and hear this great wisdom. So to this week, and the topic that Bodhi and I have decided to jump into is something very personal to both of us, actually, and that's the area of parenting. Uh, and how to be the dad you really want to be, how to be the parent that your heart yearns for you to be. And I say this is personal uh, for me, especially because I've uh, become a dad again for the second time uh, two and a half months ago, little baby Rafa. Uh, and I also have a three year old Noah. So I'm uh, really right in the target audience for this particular one myself. Um, so I was really keen that we get into the subject. So we're going to be talking about these sort of areas. We're talking about obviously freedom, freedom and parenting. How can they actually sit together? You might think they're actually oxymorons. So we'll unpack that a little bit. Um, we're also going to be talking about commitment because uh, we know becoming a parent is probably the greatest commitment we can ever make. And how does that sit with us and our, our, our hero's journey and our energies? Um, and a subject we talked about in our first episode, uh, kind of summary episode, if you haven't caught that, highly recommend you jump into that one. Um, we talk about flow and that the key to freedom is finding flow and the opposite of flow being resistance. And again, I know personally that when I'm in my flow in parenting, I just enjoy it so much more than when I'm in an area of resistance. So I want to understand that. Why am I not always in it and how can I get more flow? So that's something I'll be asking Bodhi for sure. And also things like, you know, energy. Uh, energy is a subject, a topic that comes up a lot in, in this conversation with Bodhi. And what is it about the energy of children, of kids that we need to tune into as adults to help with our parenting? So those are some of the, the areas we might touch on. And now time to bring Bodhi in. Bodhi, how are you doing today? I'm well, I'm well. I uh, remember this topic came up in our recent conversation about your trip away with your two little ones. So uh, <laughs> excited, excited to explore it and uh, and get some real life uh, examples of you know, this territory. Yeah. And I know, you know, uh, from your own personal context, this is somewhere you are something of an expert having, let me get this right, four kids and 10 grandchildren now. Is that right? Yes, correct. Correct. I've got a bit of experience. <laughs> <laughs> so a beautiful, big family. Um, and as I say, a lot of that context is important for you in terms of the work that you've done on yourself over the many, many years and the work that you're doing with lots of um, parents, uh, both both dads and mums, actually. So um, parenting and freedom. 
how can they exist together? <laughs> isn't, isn't, this, isn't this just a great big oxymoron? Uh, how, how can they possibly be bedfellows? Let's, let's start there. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Uh, it reminds me that um, as you embrace, again, we talk a lot about the hero's journey, the journey for the masculine. And as you mentioned, obviously, the feminine as well. The heroine journey is slightly different. Mm. So what we're going to meet on the hero's journey is paradox. Mm. Yeah. And that's where things like commitment and freedom, yeah, discipline and freedom, we start to go, hang on a tick. And ultimately we're going to meet the mystery, yeah, which is is the big, the big journey. And mm. so it is a little bit of a paradox on uh, particularly you mentioned the word commitment. The the key thing that I want listeners to understand is that fundamentally one of the most freeing and empowering things around parenting is to realize that we parent from the inside out. Mm. And what that means is that, again, the way we meet our external world, yet whether it's our children, our marriage, our business, is informed by what's going on for us internally. So 90 to 95% yeah, of your operating system, yeah, your thinking, feeling, and intuition is your subconscious mind. Mm. And so the power of the inside out is that when you meet parenting, the first thing is to really notice what's going on for you, what's going on for you internally. And the journey of parenting, particularly for fathers, is that without that awareness, it can become a little bit tricky. Because if you think about parenting, parenting is like any other relationship. You know, we're having a relationship with another being. Yeah. yeah. And without awareness, often what happens in relationship is we're often projecting our stuff onto the other. And mm. if, we, if we look at that through the lens of parenting, yeah, often what's going on is we've got stuff going on on the inside through our beliefs, through our life experience, yet we're projecting it, we're projecting it, we're projecting it in our words, in our behaviour, in our emotions. Mm. And so one of the first shifts is to realise, yeah, it's not about the child. You know, it's about you first. You know, mm. How am I showing up? What's my relationship like with myself? Yeah, because um, that's such a big shift, even though all of this is common sense, none of it's rocket science. When you start to take responsibility in its truest sense, yeah, responsibility, the ability to respond and start to notice, how am I showing up? How did I show up in that interaction with my child? Does that make sense, Rich? It, it makes complete sense. Um, this sense that we're projecting ourselves onto our kids and you know I, I, what comes up for me a lot about is, is sort of the labels the narrative that we create you know I have a, a three-year-old and when he was two people started to say oh is it is it terrible twos and I thought I was like no he's not he's not there's nothing terrible about him but if you start to label your child as that guess what's going to show up I imagine someone you thought, oh it's so 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 difficult so tough so much resistance um to me mm. and it's really it's it's coming from me and my my choice in that to to how i label the behaviors of a this, this tiny little creature who's who's looking to me 
right? I'm, I'm one of the fund. There are two fundamental teachers in this little boy's life. It's his mother and his father right now. Um, so yeah. I, that makes complete sense that it, it comes from here. And, and I suppose what we, we, you were just starting to get into this, this responsibility and the, the ability to respond. So a lot of parenting, especially for me right now, given the age of my boys, is in the moment and a moment of, uh, I'm not going to say, it's not about crisis, but it's, it's, it's there, you know, in a moment of high emotion, let's say. Um, yeah. So I'd love to just delve into that again, very, very sort of personal to me right now, <laughs> but hopefully useful for, for listeners, whatever age um, your kids or your, your future children, um, of course. So what, when you're in the moment and it's, there's that emotion, how can we, I suppose, how do we move from reacting to responding? I'd love to, I'd love to get into that. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And that's the fundamental shift. Yeah, so most of us, particularly when we're tired, yeah, when we're busy, mm. yeah, we can get into the place of reaction. And reaction is when something in you has been triggered. Right. And we'll talk more about triggers. Most of your mm. listeners would understand the concept of triggers. Responding, yeah, remember responsibility is the ability to respond. And the key with the ability to respond is to know you always have choice. Mm. In mm. this moment, I get to choose how I respond. And the fundamental choice you have in each moment is, am I coming from love or fear? Am I coming from mm. resistance or flow? Mm. And the key to being able to separate the two is presence. Because when you learn how to be present, you know, when you're connected with yourself, when the busy mind isn't running the show, when you have some emotional maturity, you know, it doesn't matter how the child is behaving. You, know, you have enough awareness. Again, this is the theory. You have enough awareness in that moment yeah, to respond. Where's my choice coming from? And there are three types of parenting styles, and I'll come back to the triggers. Yeah. yeah. So the three contexts for parenting. Remember, context gives meaning to content. Okay. So one type of parenting style is authoritarian parenting. Yeah. yeah which a lot of us probably experience. Mm. Yeah. And the other is laissez-faire parenting. Yeah, so if I go back to authoritarian, that's very much it's about my agenda as the parent. I'm the authority here. You do what I say. Mm. Yeah, you, these are these are these are the things I expect from you. And we've all had that experience. We've had an experience in in schools and things like that where the authority is trying to. If you think about power, yeah, yeah, the authority is trying to assert power over. Yeah. Over power over other, control over other. The other is the laissez-faire is when there are no boundaries at all. And we've seen that yeah. pendulum swing a lot with a lot of modern parenting where, ah, oh, the child just needs to be free, just wants to run in the woods, yeah? Now, the key is, yeah, children, particularly developmentally, they need boundaries. Mm. And so the laissez-faire parenting where there's very little boundaries and it all becomes about the child. So authoritarian, it's all about the parents. Laissez-faire, it's all about the child. And developmentally, we know that that isn't healthy for the child. The child needs a level of boundaries. The child needs to feel safe knowing the parent has 
got the situation covered. And the third type, which I recommend to most of my clients, is collaborative parenting. Okay. And collaboration is about you know, this little person and myself are in a relationship together. And certainly, until they're an adult highly functioning, you know, I have a role in that relationship. But how do we collaborate? How do I meet their needs? How do I take responsibility for the way I show up? Mm. So one of the first parts to the puzzle is to notice what's your style of parenting? And what's you know your alignment with your partner if if you're both um, you know both together and parenting or even not together and parenting you know what's our style here because with couples I see that one parent yeah will want to be the authority the good cop bad cop you know the mum and dad sort of thing which again can confuse the child yeah does that make sense yeah completely and 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 you you were talking about you know this projection of our stuff as parents. And I think I'd imagine a lot of what we experienced when we were in that sort of key zero to seven year old phase of life, if it was an authoritarian approach, it's much more likely that we're probably going to copy that. And the same with laissez-faire and the same with collaborative, I would, I would assume. Um, yep. And I noticed with myself, I'm, I'm somewhere between authoritarian and, and collaborative. I think that there's somewhere between the two. I don't think it's often laissez-faire uh with with me personally and I also know when I'm in that authoritarian what comes up for me is where did that come from mm. almost almost have this out-of-body experience of seeing myself saying something you know a stop a no a don't and where did that come from and you know it's probably the voice of one of my parents and, and not and not just them but other role models who would have been around you know I'm a child of the the 70s and early 80s when that was kind of more more of the way um so I think just for again for me it's just recognizing when I'm in it and that's why I asked about being in the moment a moment of emotion of spotting how am I being how am I showing up in, yeah. in that and that that person is has helped me move from being a bit less one authoritarian to being a bit more three collaborative yeah, 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 great, great distinction. And again, if you go back to our operating system, so each of us operate in the world, yeah, and 90 to 95% of the way we operate is our subconscious mind, our unconscious mind. Mm. Yeah, we use about 5 to 10% of our conscious mind. So what's happening each day when we wake up is our subconscious is driving everything. Mm. And what lives in our subconscious mind, the fundamental filters that we learned, you know, particularly as children naught to seven, you know, we learn our subconscious, yeah, in the in naught to seven, our subconscious is in theta brain when we talk about the different brain states. And theta is when we're just downloading, we're receiving the download. Mm. Yeah. And so there's no um, cognitive ability. We're not filtering it through any frontal cortex, any reasoning. We're just living through the experience of our parents, our caregivers, our culture. Yeah. And out of that, we start to download this whole belief system, this value set, yeah, our life experience. And the fundamental operating context, the fundamental operating belief that we download between the age of naught to seven, yeah, it's not good or bad, says, I'm not good enough because I'm not valuable and lovable. 
And it's the fundamental filter from within which we give meaning to our external world unconsciously. Wow. That just feels like a, 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 just pause on that for a minute, a big knowledge Mm. bomb that you've, you've just dropped in. Uh, And I have, obviously I've heard you talk about this a lot before, but I wanted to zero in on this a little bit more. So between these ages of zero to seven, that's when this, this sense of not good enough, not valuable enough, not lovable is somehow imprinted on our little, uh, our beautiful little children, not something we'd want to do as parents, Mm. but, but just happens. How does, how does that happen? Yeah, and again, it's not good or bad. Remember, this is the human experience. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and we'll t- and we'll talk in other episodes about the relative experience. Yeah. Mm. So what the how it happens again? If we think about the different brainwaves, alpha, beta, gamma, theta. Yeah. What we know through neuroscience now is that what's occurring effectively the theta brain in all of us as adults, yep, and in children. Is, is the downloading system. So your software, you come into the world, you, know, you have this operating system and the download that we're constantly getting naught to seven you know, through our parents' behavior, through the cultural imprint, through playing games with other children and everything, forms this fundamental belief. Mm. And if you look at family dynamics, if you look at the um, whole journey from naught to seven. And again, if we have time, happy to take you through the milestones of mm. how this occurs. Yeah. If it's useful, um, you'll start to see where this not good enough kicks in. And I really want to support parents that this isn't bad. You don't have to go into guilt or shame. Mm. Yeah. Because having worked with many, many people, um, people can start to judge themselves. This is the human experience. Yeah. Yeah, this relative experience. And so what happens is, and this is every human being I've coached, every human being I've met. It's not based on extreme trauma. It's not based on neglect. Yeah, it's just a human experience, this relative experience. So again, if we break it down, if you just think about the experience for human beings not to seven. So, and again, if I can ask you, Rich, to just, share um so again from your memory and also from your experience Mm. so when a child is born and particularly born in a hospital yeah were you were you born in a hospital rich i was yes yeah yep and i know the progression now of home births water births Mm. and everything is is absolutely about minimizing this to some extent Mm. yeah what what's your sense of what the first experience is for a baby being born mm. in a hospital in the Western world? Yeah, it's uh, it's light, bright, mm-hmm. noisy, lots of people. Uh, white, everything's white. Probably, oh, uh, think about yep. classic hospital scene, white and green. Um, yeah, sort of not chaos, but busyness going on. Yep. That would be my sense yeah exactly you know bright lights loud noises we've gone from this safe space of the womb suddenly into this relative experience of separateness Mm. and what happens is it's suddenly our whole system yeah our nervous system our emotional system yep 
is met with this experience and what happens is a part of us shuts down. Yeah. Wow. We've got to shut down. It's like, well, what's going on here? Yeah, I, I better I better learn this new game. Yeah, yeah, and that's when we start to put on our masks, mm. and I'll talk about the different masks because yeah. we've got to keep ourselves safe. We don't have the cognitive ability, yeah, you know, to reason or logic our way through this. It's yeah. just okay. Welcome to the world. Yep, <laughs> my generation, you got a smack on the bum as well, just to add to it. Yep, welcome to the world. <laughs> what does baby Let's- do? Let's hear your voice. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Let's get that scream yeah. out of you. Yeah, yeah. And and the theory was that it would help the baby breathe. What we know now is that there's a breath in the umbilical cord. That's why yeah, the umbilical cord isn't severed as quickly in a lot of more natural births because there is yeah. a natural breath. Yeah, there's a natural experience there. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, my gener- my generation smack on the bum, baby cries. Yeah, doctor's laughing. He's smiling. It's like, <laughs> but the poor baby has this experience. Right. What happens then is that, again, as a generalisation, typically baby will go home with, with mum, with caregivers, with parents. And the first few months, again, think about Rafa, your newborn. Yeah, baby cries. What do you do the first couple of months? Well, you go, you attend. You, you, you try and stop baby crying. Exactly. Baby cries gets fed. Baby cries gets warm. Yeah. Baby cries gets changed. Like those yeah. first couple of months, yeah, yeah we're responding. Yeah, we're responding, responding, responding until after a couple of months, yep, baby cries, doorbells rings, dinner's yeah. burning, phone rings. <laughs> yeah, what do we do? Mm. Baby has to cry a bit longer. Yeah, again, not good or bad, but we better put the fire out. Our, it's more important to put the fire out with dinner burning. Yeah. We know that we know the baby's safe another yeah. five minutes yeah yeah but what do you think the baby's experience is Mitch? okay so this this has gone from every time i cried i was attended to to now i'm crying no one's coming exactly and the baby's experience again precognition energetically is this has got something to do with me with with the most dependent species on the planet yeah our whole survival yeah depends on another human being. So what happens is the baby needs survival and goes, I thought the gig was if I cried, people came. That's not working now. And that's when we put on the first cut of our masks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When we first first arrive, there's a shutdown, but this is when we really put on the mask. And the masks are there to keep us safe. And if you look at family dynamics, yeah, so the first child might come out yeah, and put on the mask of, well, I'll be the high achiever. Yeah, because if I'm the high achiever, I'm going to get the attention of my, my parents. Mm. The second one comes out and goes, well, I'll be the goody two-shoes. That's going to work. Mm. Yeah, I'll, be the, I'll be that one. The third one comes out and goes, well, I better be the angry fucker here because nothing else is going to get attention. <laughs> And, and as little people, yeah, at two, at three, at five, this is crucial. Yeah, the masks are there to keep us safe. Yeah, we have to get attention. The whole journey is attention, attention, attention. Our survival, yeah, requires another human being. Mm. What's interesting, though, is that for most of us, we forgot to take the masks off when we became adults. Mm. 
I see. If you go to any family Christmas party or family gathering or celebration, your family of origin, most people arrive with the mask on. Oh, okay, great. Uh, I'm laughing because I've, I've literally just been at a really big family gathering <laughs> and you see <laughs> the roles that people played when they were 9, 10 being played yeah. out again. Again, no, not not good or bad, just hap- just being, just that's the way it is. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's and that's a big part of it. That's a big part of the dynamic is, yeah, we still wear these masks. And that's why we get so triggered with our family of origin, yeah, with our parents, with our siblings. Wow. Wow. Because we're still we're still playing that old game. So, okay, so the the, the our entrance to, to the world creates this this sense this this sense of not good enough not valuable not lovable again not good or it's not a good or bad comment it just is but we might be thinking okay or what can i do about that then as a parent now yeah of what of whatever age child they could be really young they could be you know about to fly the nest and become adults themselves but we might be thinking as a parent oh what can i do yeah yeah well the key link just to close the loop is when we develop these masks yeah essentially the message we're getting unconsciously from the world you know is i'm not good enough i'm not valuable and lovable but one day i will be yeah i've just got to go and build my career get a successful marriage pay the mortgage off yeah most of us are living one day i'm going to be good enough you watch Mm. you watch i've just got to do a few more things yeah, and that's the setup. That's the setup. We're constantly thinking, one day I'm going to be good enough. One day I'm going to be valuable and lovable. Mm. Yeah, and we're we're and we're thinking it comes from the outside in. And so the good news is, the not good enough isn't true. It's just a story we told ourselves to keep us safe. Mm. And so the first key thing, and this is the piece around freedom that we mentioned, is. When you change the subconscious belief, when you change the context from I'm not good enough, I'm not valuable and lovable, to I'm okay, I am lovable and valuable. When you really embody that inside yourself, really believe that about yourself, the essence Mm -hmm. of who you are, it's so liberating. It's so freeing. Because you realize that that old story, yeah, you can let go of. And when you do that, yeah, your parenting will shift. Yeah, your relationships will shift. And so fundamentally what we're doing there, and remember the way we change beliefs, the way we change um, these imprints, yeah, we do it at a mental level, at an emotional level, and an energetic level. Mm. So any of the listeners who've done um, any any personal development work, you know, whether it's your shadow work, whether it's healing, whether it's trauma, all we're doing is recalibrating those systems. You know, and the fundamental one we want to recalibrate, the quickest way, because I see people who get stuck in therapy for years. Mm. You know, and for some people that may be the case, but the quickest way, what do we want to shift is this shift from not good enough not loving ourselves and not valuing ourselves 
yeah, to the opposite, to really valuing and loving ourselves. And that's a part of the hero's journey. And again, we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah. When you shift that, yeah, coming from the inside out, as I mentioned, if, if you, Rich, if you believe you're valuable and lovable, and that you're okay just as you are, yeah, there's nothing lacking, there's mm-hmm. nothing missing. It doesn't mean you don't want to grow and be the best version of yourself. But when you really embody that, and I know you've done a lot of work with that, how does it feel when you meet your your beloved, when you meet your children? What's been the energetic shift for you? I think I describe it as a, as a it's a calm. It's a calmness. Because yeah. going in with that, I'm okay, it, it is energetic. because it, it, it And I know my sons, especially the older one, will pick up on that. When I'm in that angst, triggered state of I'm I'm not good enough I'm not lovable I've something's happened which is proving that to me he's gonna he picks up on that you know they mm. are smart whatever age our kids yeah. are they are super smart very intuitive and very tuned in especially obviously to their to their parents um so yeah. I know when I have that 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 calm that's when I get into that I talked about that flow and sort of resistance state I'm yeah. likely to be parenting from that position of collaborative this is how I want to be versus a this is how I think I should be because of something that's sitting with me from years ago years ago so yeah I, I do notice that um and, I, and again it comes back to that, that sort of in the moment parenting yeah which most parenting is <laughs> yeah that's right exactly do you notice a sense of freedom in that yeah yes because I think I think the, the it's free it's it's um freedom it's a freedom from judgment i'm not going to be judged i'm not judging myself no one else is going to judge me it's all good that's the best way i can probably just describe that that sense yeah and as we defined in the first episode you know there's Mm. freedom from and there's an innate state of freedom so freedom from suffering is that or that construct they're not good enough the inner critic the judgment of yourself yeah the the collective perception of what's happening and also freedom from those triggers and if i just dive back into the triggers Mm. yeah as to what occurs and you you mentioned the energetic exchange with with children as well yet so the way triggers work is that what occurs is remember the external world inherently is meaningless until i give it a meaning Mm. Yeah, it's just happening. The child is just being the child. Your wife is just being your wife. You're giving it a meaning. Remember, 90 to 95% through your subconscious mind. Mm. So what occurs in a nanosecond, little Noah is just being Noah, three-year-old. Yeah, you and I could both be in the room and we'd have a totally different meaning we'd give it and experience. Yes. Yeah through our filters, through our beliefs, through our values, and through the not good enough. And, and crucially, just on that, it's it's the two people that are most likely to be in the room are probably the two parents who are giving a different meaning to how whatever is is showing up. Yep. And it yep. feels in that there's a there's something. There's a <laughs> could be a tension, yeah. could be a collaboration, could be however it's yeah. how it comes across, right? Mm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so what occurs is that when you're giving it a meaning, 
remember when we look at the external world there's only two things we ever see rich yeah it's the way we want it to be or the way we think it should be mm-hmm. <laughs> and as soon as you go in and know it should be something different yeah yeah that's when you're projecting your stuff mm. yeah and normally when we go into the should we want to control the external world yeah there are different behaviors and when noah doesn't look the way you think he should be yeah you'll get triggered yeah what comes up for you emotionally when you look at him yeah and he's behaving a certain way and you mm. think it should in commas, be different what's the feeling sometimes yeah it's it it'll be a that could be a frustration or oh, why yeah we talked about this already uh yeah uh, I'd say that's quite a common <laughs> yeah. emotion that would that would come up and you know why, why is he not finishing his food he must want to finish yeah. his food it's 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 according to me it's lunchtime clearly according to no it's not <laughs> yeah <laughs> and this and this isn't about setting boundaries with our children yet it's noticing how we respond or react yeah so as soon as you go into that you're reacting mm. You feel frustrated. You feel a, a sense of anger. Yeah, mild sense of anger. That's the yeah. trigger. Triggers are just emotional responses to the external world. Yeah. And if we play this, Rich, you know, if, if you don't mind, just play it out for yourself. Yeah. And you've, you've had a recent example. Yeah. What's the story you're telling yourself? Yeah. When you become conscious of it. Yeah. It's super, it's, it's I'm not a good dad. That's the st- yeah. that's that's what that's the story. If if I. Yeah. If I can't get my son to behave in a certain way, that means I'm not a good dad. That's played out yeah. super fast. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not a good dad, then you're not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. You know, it's, I'm not a good dad. I'm not good enough. I'm not valuable and lovable. I, yeah. I should be better. You know, the yeah. shoulds come in. Yeah. Yeah. And And for you, what's your response when you react what do you attempt to do with the external world oh i'm trying to uh control it i'm trying to get it into some kind of order <laughs> that, that, <Yeah>. works, <laughs> that works for me okay yeah yeah and how tiring is that it's exhausting yeah it is it's um and that's it that's that's yeah. the, that's that resistance and it's it's exhausting it's it's, it's not enjoyable it's distracting um yeah and you know and, and here's me I've done a lot of work on myself and I know it's a lifetime's work and that's the, the reassuring thing it's, it's it's always there um yeah but it's just as he's talking about it, it's bringing the awareness to it I know okay I know what's happening here and then I've got that choice when I bring the awareness to it I've got the choice Exactly. And the choice is responsibility. Am I going to respond to my emotions? Yeah. Mm. Am I going to react or respond? Am I going to take responsibility for my emotions first? Yeah, this is your stuff. Mm. Again, not good or bad, but if you don't take responsibility and go, these are my emotions. And then the choice is resistance or flow. So as soon as you go into control, as soon as you go into projection, as soon as you go into the world should look Mm. a different way, You've gone into resistance. You're resisting the experience. There's no cheese down that tunnel. Yeah. 
And so the opportunity through the practices of presence, through the self-awareness, emotional awareness of your triggers, is to go instead of reacting, I can respond. You know? And when I respond, instead of resisting, I'm in flow. Yeah. You know? Get into that place of flow. Now, what that means is that um, Noah is just triggering a part of you that you haven't fully accepted, that you haven't fully loved. Mm. Our greatest teachers yeah, are our children yeah, through the committed relationships we're in, our children and our beloved. Mm. Yeah, because fundamentally, if you think about the hero's journey to the Holy Grail, to our essence, yeah, a big part of the journey is to unconditionally love myself and mm. accept myself as a man for who I am right now. Mm. And if there's parts of you, Rich, that you haven't fully loved, no one's going to press that button. Think you got your stuff sorted, Dad? What about this? Me, me, me. <laughs> and all they're doing is reminding you, oh, that's that part I haven't fully accepted. Oh, there's my control. Stuff. Yeah. Oh, there's my judgment. Oh, there's my resistance. And if you do your practice and get more present, you can start to see, ah, they're my greatest teacher. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm really committed to my journey, my hero's journey, if I'm really committed to freedom, freedom from the mental constraints, freedom from my emotional limitations, freedom from my not good enough, then what a gift. Yeah. 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 And I think in the experience, that's almost what makes it, the, the challenge comes from, there can be long periods of great flow and we're in this non-triggering, just wonderful I say flowing relationship and then bang <laughs> a circumstance <laughs> a context arises you know it can again it can be in moments of uh maybe it's out of the home when you're in less control again of the environment and, so, and something happens and then boom there it goes uh yes yeah. and then it's okay and I watch I what I, I, I talk to myself about is that I'm not back to square one it's just another lesson just another lesson coming yeah um yeah you know yeah right create, create that space and then okay so that's how we how should we respond to this one yeah and for the listeners one of one of the first keys for the listeners is to, to start to shrink your buttons mm, okay yeah, you know they yeah. press your buttons they press your triggers yeah so it's yeah. starting to really really notice you know because some people are hyper vigilant they're so reactive yeah, particularly with that busy mind we've spoken about, you know, and, you know, if you think about, you know, working, putting food on the table, busyness, all those things, we can live in this state. Yeah, our nervous system is in the state of fight, flight, freeze. Yeah, so we're meeting our children from that place and our buttons, our triggers are huge. Yeah, the kids yeah. can just do something so benign and suddenly we're in this reactive state wanting to try and control and create certainty. And the yeah. poor child's just going, Sorry, Dad, I just changed channels. I didn't know. <laughs> it's like that, that was going to have that impact on you. Yeah. So, so on this, yeah. you know, this, this this shrinking of triggers of the buttons, our hot buttons, which sounds like that'd be a lovely state to get to. Um, what we're trying to do on on the podcast is is bring some some practical methods, tools to listeners that can start to act in these areas if if you so choose so what what would be your go-to to start to do that to, to shrink those 
triggers. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's an inside out job. The one of the the side notes is, you know, pick your battles. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. really? Are we gonna fight over the wheat fix again? Do you know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> like if that's the battle you're picking, you know, and that's a way yeah. to shrink your buttons. Yeah. And just go, yeah, you know what? Like, you know, obviously children need boundaries, they need a level of discipline from a collaborative place. Yeah. Yeah, but firstly, start to notice. I'm getting in a fight with a three-year-old over the wheat bix. That's that's probably not the most resourceful use of your yeah. time and energy and parenting. Exactly. Um, Another cereals the, are available. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. <laughs> and interestingly, children know when they're hungry or not. Children know when they're cold or not. You know, they can regulate things. We're just opposing, imposing again our expectations. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's. It's eight o'clock, you should eat breakfast, you're going to school. And the little fella's gone, but I'm not hungry. Yeah. Now, there's, you know, there's another thread to that. So one of the first things is to pick your battles. When it comes to um, shrinking your, your triggers and moving from reaction to responding, moving from resistance to flow, again, as we've discussed, if you think about the different systems in play, yeah. So our nervous system, yeah, the fight, flight, freeze, yeah, is very much because we're in overload. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, our limbic brain, yeah, what happens is it doesn't know the difference between whether there's the saber tooth tiger or whether there's a three-year-old there. It'll go into that mm -hmm. yeah, until we start to quieten it down. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so quietening your mental system, yeah, and really looking after your nervous system which is obviously through all of the things we know, diet, exercise, nature, all of those sorts of things, just simple things, just noticing what are you doing for yourself in those spaces. These will start to slow things down and shrink your triggers. Yeah. yeah. And then your mental state, that inner critic, they're not good enough. Again, talk a lot about presence, a lot about um, mindfulness, slowing that busy mind down. Yeah. Yeah. And then emotional, you know, the ability to become self-aware, to be able to regulate your emotions. You know, we talk about, you know, emotions are just energy in motion. Inherently, mm. they're not good or bad. Yeah. And the more present you are, the more you can respond to your emotions, not react to them. And then our energetic system, again, which is informing all of it through the practices that I teach. You can get more present. You can get more in your body, embodied yeah. presence. Yeah. So yeah. all we're doing is looking for that, you know, and again, there's a map here you know, and there are different milestones on the map. We've spoken a lot about what happens for the parent. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting if we, if we just want to shift into what are the child's needs. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, there's lots of great literature out there. There's some incredible, um, you know, parent teachers out there, um, if people want to investigate some of this, there's there's some incredible uh, resources. Yeah, Vanessa Lapont, who's a Canadian, Steve Verdot's an Australian, um, will put her details. She does a lot of great work around, you know, yeah. again, parenting from the inside out. Yeah, um, yeah we'll put uh, Maggie Beer, who's another, she's done a lot of work with with boys, anyone who's got boys, there's some great stuff out there. Mm. If we, what, what we're fundamentally if, in the context of parenting, if you start to think of the relationship, the collaboration with the little one, 
And again, you know, I'm talking a lot to the little one, given you've got two little ones. And having worked a lot with teenage boys, yeah, having had, I've now got four adult children, yeah, and and the nuances of teenage boys, teenage girls and things like that. But if we come back to the fundamentals, what we know is the most powerful thing you can give children, yeah, particularly little children, is presence. Mm. presence and eye contact Mm. yeah and having worked with a lot of fathers it can be quite challenging for fathers because the infant yeah firstly there's obviously usually a high dependency on mum on breastfeeding or being nurtured by mum so a lot of dads can get a bit frustrated it's like well if you know the infant you know wants to go back to mum seems to be comforted by mum and there is a biology there obviously yeah yeah the other thing is a lot of fathers um, have the story that when the infant's developed a personality, when the infant is walking, talking, then then I can build a different mm-hmm. relationship. Yeah. And obviously that there is some truth to that. Yet my my support for parents and particularly the dads who are listening is that infant yeah, is taking in everything. Yeah. Yes. And the studies around safe attachment yeah, is the most powerful thing is presence and eye contact. It's the being, yeah, not necessarily the doing. And so it's such a beautiful gift as a parent and as a father, if you can cultivate the ability to be present, to be with the little one. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned before. Yeah. yeah. You, you know. You know this for yourself. Yeah. And I was just going to say, if you know, we, we talked about. You know, this is definitely for for you if you're a parent. But I also said if you're a future parent, and I would say if you are an expectant father right now, my greatest wish for you is to get as much time off whatever your work is when you have mm. your newborn baby because exactly to what you were saying Bodhi it's it's you have a major role to play even though that small child at that age is totally dependent on the the mother in 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 most circumstances but you have a huge role to play and I I really you know it it saddens me greatly when I you know dads get there they have their mandatory in the UK certainly two weeks off work and then back in to the, the physical office or the home office but that be around as much as you can that presence, that eye contact, that time that you have is is foundational. Now, I, I've I, I have walked the talk in this area and applied it. Took a lot of time off from what I do mm. um, to spend time with both my um, the boys when they were when they were tiny. So uh, that that's you know that's a that's a wish to anyone listening. Yeah, that's not a state. And and you mentioned be around, which is the truth. Be around. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 the being state with the infant yeah yeah and obviously you know supporting your partner that's another whole conversation yeah yeah um so if we look at the needs of the child fundamentally particularly that formative years that presence creates yeah the safe attachment you know there's a lot yeah. of studies around attachment theory a lot of different parenting styles you know yet fundamentally what we know is because what's happening and you mentioned it with noah who's three is energetically and as you know, I do a lot of work with energy. What happens is that in each interaction, we're in training 
each other energetically. Mm-hmm. And so entrainment, you know, you're a, you're a musician, I'm a musician, you know, just a, a, a campfire musician. Yet <laughs> what happens in drum circles, which, you know, you and I have both been in, the lead yeah. drummer yeah, is entraining the group. Mm. And what happens is when people let go after a certain period of time, everybody's in the same beat. Mm. And that's an energetic experience more than a thinking experience. Yeah, when we talk about flow, we talk about presence. You know the difference between you're thinking how to drum or you're drumming. Oh, yeah. 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 And so that's that's what's happening energetically with the child. Yeah, this we're exchanging energy all the time. So when you're present and calm and connected to yourself, the child feels present, calm, connected and safe. Yeah. They pick up the, the vibration. They pick up the energy. Now, as infants, they're picking it up. And safe attachment is what they're looking for. Yeah, as you know, that sense of safety. Mm. And then, as you say, Noah, as a three-year-old, he he knows how to press your buttons. He knows when you're not present. He knows when you're distracted energetically. <laughs> it, it, it's not cognitive. Yeah. It's just energetically. Yeah. Yeah. And so, again, these practices that I teach are very much applicable in many different aspects of your life yet from a parenting point of view presence yeah the ability to be present yeah with your children uh, i've recently ran a nine-month course as you know for leaders business leaders around the globe and there were you know we cover many different things yet one of the consistent feedbacks from the participants is i've never been more present with my children mm-hmm. since doing yeah. that course with you yeah. yeah and you know that for yourself yeah, and I, you know, uh, knowing those guys on that on that program, and they they've got most of them got children older than older than mine, but it's consistent across the piece that 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 yeah. level of presence makes a difference, whatever the age of child and however long you've been parenting for. Well, Bodhi, I, I you know I know we could talk more and more on this, but we're we're, we're trying to create these these uh, digestible containers of episodes, so we're gonna wind things down now but again thanks for sharing your incredible wisdom on a huge subject area and I'm sure there'll be more questions that come in we may well go again on this subject if there's a lot of um, intrigue and curiosity I mean we, we may come back to it um, but thank you for um, for your guidance and I, I feel I've, I've had a I've had a one-to-one coaching session uh, on my parenting <laughs> which I'm gonna I'm gonna take immediately and, and integrate that being the key so thank you so much Yeah, thank you. And to the listeners, you know, I'd love, if there's feedback, I'd love to do a similar session on teenagers. Having worked Mm. a lot with teenagers, teenage boys, teenage girls, because, yeah, we we didn't dive deeply into that. But if that's of interest, please send some questions, post some things, because uh, we could easily cover that as well. I I am sure that's going to be a, a, a big area of interest. So let's come, we'll come back to that. Parenting teenagers. Thank you, Bodhi. Yeah, fantastic. See you soon. Thank you, Rich. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you.